Basketball is, is, is like poetry in motion. Just coming down the court, you got a defender in your way, you, you take him to the left, you take him back to the right, and he's falling back, and you just, Jay, right in his face. And then you look at him, and then you say, what? It has been an amazing honor to coach in the Kale Center for the last 10 years. Just how goddamn bad can it get? This is by far the worst team that has ever sat in this locker room. Shot clock turned up. Today on the Ball Boys Who's Podcast, Will and Tyler back in your system after, what, one week off? Two weeks off? I, I, I don't know. Time is meaningless now. One week off, which means we didn't pod for two weeks. That's right. That's right. Uh, our apologies for the absence. Uh, I was in the middle of a cross-country move, which is a contractual obligation that I have every 18 to 24 months is to move more than two or three states away. So yeah, only to the same three sta- uh, cities, though. Correct, correct. Nowhere but San Francisco, Denver, New York. Yeah, um, you know, and would also like to point out that you get sick of all these places, but then move back to them. So yeah, I mean, look, you're man, Ferris. You're on a Ferris wheel, man. I I just I move with the seasons, baby. Uh, if only those <laughs> seasons were eighteen to twenty-four months. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's championship week, and I, I want to start this off by asking you, like, where do you rank championship week or compare it, I guess, to, like, the first couple days, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? It's different, but I've always felt like championship week has more magic. The first couple days of the NCAA tournament are – more thrilling just because it's so many games all at once. You have four or five screens going on at once. Um, whereas championship week is where you get the best storylines for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, you can look at it both ways. I don't, I'm not going to like put a negative spin on it, but I definitely like the NCAA tournament because it's your opportunity to win the national title. Well, and it gives, it gives any, any team that makes it that opportunity. Um, conference championship week, I think is a lot of fun because it gives a lot of teams an opportunity to make the dance that otherwise would not have one. Um, so I think that adds some excitement. I got to admit though, I'm not a huge fan of that philosophy. I think the tournament would be better off if regular season champions were awarded the auto bid, but I mean, you know, Money, drama. So you hate you hate stuff. magic and excitement. Magic and excitement yeah. mm-hmm. don't really tickle your fancy. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, know, I, I mean, I, I still love it. It's extra hoops, man. I'm not going to sit here and complain. But, um, you know, the, I think it's much more difficult to win the regular season than it is to win a conference tournament. That's, Absolutely. I guess, how my view on it is. Absolutely. And, and you're completely right. Um, and generally speaking, I do agree with you. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna share some uh, conference tournament memories, some favorites. Uh, again, like conference tournaments are 
this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. And then kind of uh, taking a look at tournaments that are wrapping up in the next couple of days, as well as tournaments that are kicking off today. We have four or five, maybe even more getting started uh, in what, like an hour or so from recording. Uh, we also have a handful of auto bids already locked up. Uh, so let's dive, let's dive into it first and foremost. Um, one of my favorite conference tournament memories uh, is actually, I mean, it won't surprise anybody. Uh, we ripped the call of it for our intro for the show. And it's Isaiah Thomas hitting the step back over Arizona. And to me, that was like the last time that the Pac-12, or at that point, Pac-10, tournament mattered on a national scale. Um, you had this iconic player. Uh, Arizona was kind of in their weird in-between phase between Lute Olsen and Sean Miller, of course. Uh, Washington was still very much in its heyday with Lorenzo Romar. This was still a conference that had Paul nationally. This was still a conference that uh, generated discussion nationally. And that game in particular uh, lives in infamy maybe more so because of the call than anything else. Uh, but it's one of the great calls of Gus Johnson's career. Certainly it is uh, a player that went on in the NBA and had a, you know, huge uh, run with the Celtics before fading into complete obscurity very, very quickly. But I don't know that uh, that game was extremely exciting. Uh, and also a little fun fact about that game. Uh, one of my least favorite college players ever, took an L in that game. And that was Daniel Bejarano, uh, who ended up at Colorado State. But watching him take the loss in an Arizona uniform brought me uh, happiness, for sure. Yes, I, I uh, one of my least favorite players to watch in the history of college basketball. And CSU fans loved him, which shows how yeah. little knowledge they have about basketball. Anyways, moving on. Um, yeah, I think Isaiah Thomas is kind of like the common man for a lot of basketball fans, you know, just because of his size, his stature, like watching him on a basketball court do the things that he did was always a ton of fun. I mean, you know, we can have sit here and debate about what whether you like him as a player, especially in the NBA, right? Um, like if, if he's good for the game or whatnot. But, I mean, in college especially, he was one of the most fun guys to watch that I can remember, you know, since I've been watching the game. And that's a long-ass time at this point, so – that was a huge win. I kind of agree. Um, looking back on it, it does feel a little weird that the Pac-12 hasn't really been relevant since then because, I mean, we've had those Peyton Pritchard Oregon teams. We had Lonzo Ball. You know, there were some Arizona teams ranked in the top ten, but they never really matched up against one another in an epic sort of way. So, yeah, the Pac-12 has definitely been out of the limelight for a while now. Another uh... – Another tournament that I have just like vivid, vivid memories of um, was the 2003 ACC tournament. Uh, and this was the year that Josh Howard was player of the year in the ACC. Um, and I was on a frontier flight uh, <laughs> between San Francisco and Denver. Back when they were legit. Well, yeah, I mean, this was when Frontier Airlines was like the first one to have, they were one of the first to have TVs on the back of every seat. Uh, and you got satellite TV <clears throat> for your flights. And 
I don't even really remember why. I mean, 2003, that must have been right before I moved to California. Uh, and my dad and I were probably going out for a visit. But anyways, um, I just have this memory of uh, Josh Howard's game against North Carolina State. Uh, and that was uh, Wake Forest's first conference title in 41 years, uh, which is wild to think about. I mean, the, the guys that they had on those teams – uh, between Tim Duncan and Chris Paul, uh, it took until it took Josh Howard uh, to to bring them out uh, into the promised land, which is kind of weird to think about. But anyways, uh, that tournament I watched on a on a Frontier flight, and something about it just like completely hooked me. Um, Duke ended up winning over NC State. NC State went on this run; they were the four seed. They beat Wake Forest, uh, or pardon me, they beat Georgia Tech. Wake Forest and then went to the title game. Uh, Carolina and Duke were in the semifinals together. It was one of those years Carolina had like a 500 record or something like that. Um, I don't know. Just one of uh, one of my early conference tournament resume, uh, memories that's always really stuck with me. Was that Julius Hodge at NC State at that time? Oh, I want to say that it might have been a little bit before him, but let's take a very, very, very quick look. Uh, he was an – he was the player of the year the next year. So that means he – yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was uh, his Seems first – right. uh, Yeah, that was Julius okay. Hodge. Nice. Good callback. Nice. There we go. Hey. You got to bring them out if you got them. Um, the one that I'll start off, I guess, by simply saying, I remember the first conference tournament memory that I have is Ray Allen versus Allen Iverson. Oh, yeah. Big East tournament. It had to be like 96. I didn't look it up, but somewhere in that range. Um, it was 96. You know, two of the best college and NBA players of all time in a game that, it was like my first real memory of just being in love with basketball, like two powerhouse teams that had chances to win the, you know, the national title. I feel like back in those days, conference titles meant a lot more like to see. I just remember the celebration on the court after UConn snuck it out, found a way to win. Georgetown missed kind of a bunny right at the buzzer to win the game. Um, but yeah, just Ray Allen and Allen Iverson just going back and forth the entire game, just hitting dagger shot after dagger shot. And it felt like, I know Ray Allen was crazy in that game, but he also hit like a floater at some point. Felt like he was in the air for like 16 hours, put it in towards the end, towards the end of the game. And it definitely was like one of those memories as a kid that used that I just remember being in love with basketball after that. I think that you just hit on the team that I 100% associate championship week with, and that's UConn. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, that. and really the Big East in general, right? The old Big East in particular. Uh, I mean, you've got the six overtime game in 2009 with Syracuse and UConn. You've got Kemba going on the run, hitting the step back jumper over Pitt to win the conference title before they went on and won the national title. Like the Northeast and, and UConn and, and, and the Big East in general define championship week for me uh, more than anybody else, always. Uh, it's what I think about. I think about the garden. Uh, I don't think about the fucking Big Ten tournament. I don't think about the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. Like, none of these things – I don't know. There, there's a level of excitement. Uh, and I think mm. it's the stage, the <clears throat> idea of the stage, of a championship being won at the Garden that always kind of elevates it. Yeah, UConn definitely has the 
majority of the memories in my head for whatever reason. It's not really intentional by any stretch. But yeah, that Kemba that Kemba run. I think I think he still holds the record for most points scored in a conference tournament um, hmm. based on that year. I mean, he was insane. Average, I think he had forty in three of the games or something like that. Um, absolutely, an absolutely bonkers. wild run. I remember where I was for that Syracuse six overtime game. That was our senior, or at least my senior year in college. Uh, just kept, it felt like it went on for two whole days. I was at uh, SFO, San Francisco's airport. Uh, I, yeah, was I was. In, I know that I remember the corner that I was sitting in watching the game. Yeah, yeah. I was at a, I was at a buddy's house in Boulder. It was close to the end of the year. Man. All right. Well, we've got. Uh, a couple of conference tournaments that have already wrapped up here uh, and we've got some auto bids filled into the tournament. Um, I'm going to list these off. Obviously, if I miss anybody, correct me, but just like a, a quick thought on each of these teams, um, Appalachian state heading to the dance. Uh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. First time ever, I believe. Um, also Michigan's going to be a one seed. So if the yeah. committee has one fucking job, <laughs> but Michigan against Appalachian state in the first round of the tournament, do not let us down. Uh, UNC Greensboro. Um, these these kind of like directional UNC teams are always tough, and, and the programs are really strong. This is like their second or third appearance in, in recent years. Um, that you know they're they're going to be a high teen seed that gives somebody some trouble. Yeah, it's it's a cool storyline. I don't know if they, they were the last team left out of the tournament and. 2019 the last time that we had a tournament um so kind of a cool storyline to see them get their first opportunity to get back and uh you know take care of it themselves like there's nobody that can take it away from them at this point they have locked in their their seed so a nice comeback story for them for sure uh moorhead state a program that we haven't talked about in what six or seven years really where they had um Oh my God, the point guard, uh, bald, uh, kind of stocky oh, dude. Yeah, he ended up going to like Oklahoma City nasty. and played for a, for a year or two. Yeah, and then yeah, they had yeah, the yeah. really bouncy power forward. Well, they had Kenneth Fareed a long time ago. Well, Kenneth I know. I, this was forever after, ago. But... I think this was after those guys. But anyway, uh, gonna... Steve Prem was the coach there before Iowa State. Oh, by the way, you're thinking of you're thinking more. You're thinking of Murray State's point guard that played. Oh, in the NBA. mother effort! I am thinking of right? Murray State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. So scratch that. Uh, <laughs> but still. <laughs> so clearly, Murray State's I, been around. <laughs> what I had prepared uh, doesn't really matter here, and that's okay. Um, but yeah, take it away. Fucking a. Uh, they beat Belmont. Yeah. I mean, look, Be- Belmont was a. Uh, um, the one seed in the conference tournament, Belmont's a hell of a program. Like, it, not not a unworthy. I mean, they were the two seed. Like, not an unworthy team to be included. Yeah, um, definitely a team that is going to scare some people. They've got hot towards the end of the season a little bit there. But yeah, Belmont was a team that would have really caused some problems. I mean, they have yeah. upset some teams in the NCAA tournament the past few years. I want to say they played Wisconsin out of the tournament a couple of years ago, if I remember correctly. Um, that's a dangerous team. I want, they were like 26 and three or 25 and four, something like that. So obviously from a tournament perspective, you're not getting the team you wanted in there in terms of quality matchups, but uh, you never know, man. I mean, you, 
you start playing well at the end of the year, you can go on a run. Uh, another auto bid was Winthrop. Um, Winthrop is a is an interesting team here because we had uh, you know months ago talked about them as a possible at large team simply because they were undefeated at the time. Uh, they finished the regular season at twenty three and one, and they obviously went ahead and grabbed the auto bid from the Big South. Um, look, whenever you have a team that has lost one or two games uh, coming out of these small conferences. Like when they're stacked up against other auto bids from like-minded conferences, like Winthrop is not going to be a 16 seed. They're probably, you know, they're they're a team that's going to in a in a year like this, they're going to face a team that they could actually probably compete with and and give a real fucking scare to. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a team that beat up on lower, you know, lower competition for sure, but you know. It, you have to be damn good to lose one game in the regular season. There's no doubt about it. Um, on pretty much every analytical metric, they're a top 100 team. So they will be probably, my guess is a 12 or a 13 seed when the time comes. One of the higher ranked qualifying teams in the NCAA tournament. And they definitely have the horses to cause some trouble in the first or second round for sure. So a team that you're going to have to uh, keep an eye out for. Uh, I'm going to back up real quick and just say, because we went back to the Moorhead Murray State thing. You were talking about Isaiah Cannon. I was. Yes. But this made me realize Murray State had Isaiah Cannon, John Morant, and Cameron Payne in the last yeah. 10, 15 years. That's insane. Yeah. Point guard to you, baby. Apparently. Um you mentioned that Winthrop could be a 13, uh thir- like if they're a 13 seed. Here are the Four seeds, according to the bracket matrix, Oklahoma State, Texas, Purdue, Virginia. Mm-hmm. I would probably say they don't want to see Virginia, uh, uh, just stylistically. Uh, Virginia is a team that could give a program like Winthrop trouble. But, like, honestly, is, is there a team there that you are like, well, they have no chance against? Like, that would be – those would be intriguing games. Yeah, and typically they are. I mean, anything from that 611 to 413 range, there's typically some battles. Um, I mean, at 611, I think at least 111 has won those matchups in mm-hmm. every tournament for the past like 12 years or something like that. Uh, it seems like a 512 gets taken out pretty, you know, almost on a routine basis as well. And then a 413 feels like happens maybe once every other tournament or so. Um, so those are, you know, that happens, man. Like that, there's definitely teams that uh, come out and you know they, they call it March Magic for a region. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the Atlantic Sun, uh, Liberty claims the auto bid without actually playing in the conference final because North Alabama is ineligible to make the dance because uh, it hasn't completed the four-year transition into Division One basketball from Division Two. Which then, like, why the, the fuck are you having is. them play in the tournament if they're not eligible? It's just, it's so silly. I mean, it's it's, it's a dumb good. rule. It is, it is. But like, if you have the rule, then why, then why are you not like looking out for this? Uh, regardless, yeah. Liberty did win the regular season title, uh, or they were top of the standings in the regular season uh, at eleven and two. They're twenty three and five overall. Uh, just a couple names that they played in the non-conference to give you an idea of uh, how good this team might be, even though giving credit to literally anything from this university makes me want to gag myself. 
Um, they they lost to Purdue by 13. They beat Mississippi State by 11. Beat South Carolina by 16. Lost to TCU by four and lost at Mizzou by nine. Yeah, they played a tough schedule. Um, and, you know, a couple of those teams aren't going to make the tournament, but they definitely have shown that they can compete with anybody they match up against. Uh, kind of like what we said about Winthrop, they're going to be a team ranked fairly highly among the qualified candidates somewhere in that 12 to 13 seed range. And they, they were the best team in their league all year. Um, it's not a surprise to see them end up in this spot. Um, another team that we obviously need to discuss is Loyola Chicago, uh, who is going to be a single-digit seed probably somewhere in the 7 to 9 range. Um, probably the most talented of this group that we just ran through and discussed. Um, do you like the Ramblers? Not really. I, like I, 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 like I mean, I, I, they're going to be a single digit seed and they've earned it. Um, it's going to depend on who they match up with for sure. Um, but I, I feel like their metrics are a little bit high on them. Um, they have some deficiencies. I mean, obviously their leading scorer is a guy who, you know, he's a ton of fun to watch, not a typical basketball frame, shall we say um, uh, Cameron Crutwig, but you know, he's going to have trouble with length. I mean, I think, you know, that's just, that's something that you don't deal with a ton in his, in his league. So he's going to, they're going to have to get proper matchups. And of course, if they are an eight, they're going to match up with a one seat in the second round. A lot of people will be picking upsets in that situation. I probably won't, frankly, uh, unless the matchup really favors them in a way that I don't really see happening right now. They're, they're great defensively. So, I mean, that obviously can take you a long way, but. Yeah. I look at a team like, Again, you all we we talk at this time of year. We always talk about the way teams performed in conference and and what that says about who they are. I don't care if the Missouri Valley is like a little down this year because Northern Iowa uh, was missing. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say they're down. AJ though. Green. I mean, it's a good lead. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's down. I'm saying that like the if Northern Iowa was healthy. Then the three-headed spear of Northern Iowa, Drake, Loyola, Chicago would be. We, I think, we would be talking about it a little bit more nationally. I think we were obviously we were only talking about Drake because they were undefeated for much of this year. What I mean to say is that if you go sixteen and two in the Missouri Valley, yeah, you're a really good team. Oh yeah, and nobody wants to see like no one seed is going to be super super happy that you're their eight, as opposed to kind of a middling uh, high major. You know, what I, you know what I'm saying here? Yeah, for sure. And there's no doubt. I mean, from an analytical standpoint, they are going to be underseeded because, I mean, they're a top 10 team in both metrics right now, or at least really, I think they're maybe top 15 in the net. I forget exactly. But yeah, I mean, most eight seeds are going to be in that 25 to 30 range. So they're better according to the analytics now. I mean, I think there, I think there are ways that you can attack them for sure, but in general, the Missouri Valley is an elite mid-major conference. Um, Drake, I think, is going to find its way into the tournament, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's a two-big league. You know, that, that shows a lot of strength. Uh, okay, let's look at a couple of tournament uh, tournaments that are wrapping up today uh, because we have a handful. Um, 
if not today, then tomorrow. I ran through this this morning. It was early. Give me a fucking break if I miss, if I messed up something here. Uh, in the A10, we've got St. Bonaventure and VCU, two really good teams. That should be an absolute like that's a must watch for me. Like if, if you like yeah. college basketball, you have to find a way to watch that game. Yeah, those are two teams that I really do think could make a run, especially St. Bonaventure. Uh, they are really good. I like them a lot. Um, that league is A10 again. Very strong league, lots of really strong competition, Um, not only at the top, but top to bottom. I mean, there's a lot of depth in that league almost every single year. Uh, That's a team, those two teams, A, are going to make the tournament regardless of the results. They're they're both locked in as um, at-larges if necessary. Obviously, one of them will win their tournament and get the auto bid, but strong performance by both of these teams, especially down the stretch. Uh, VCU was kind of on the cusp for a little bit there, finished very strong. Um, a team, both teams really, that are going to uh, try to attack you with a lot of switches. Um, very, you know, both have a lot of length, aggressive defensively. Not a team that you want to play in the first round for sure. And I've already caught my first error. That the the A ten did this in a in a really fun way. So the semifinals were actually played this past weekend. The final is until the fourteenth. That feels wrong, but that's what the official schedule says. Like, there's no way that can be correct, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, who knows? The schedules are all messed up. Left but that's right. awesome. I mean, what, the 14th, the this 14th Sunday? would be selection yeah, would Sunday. Be, yeah, selection Sunday. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, we get a full week break, which I actually think will probably give us a better game. Uh, yeah. And especially when we have the one and two seed, I like the fact that uh, they have a chance to kind of rest up. And, you know, if, if anybody's nicked up from uh, an ankle or whatever, like, that's not going to affect that uh i like the fact that that gives us a chance to have a pretty outrageous game um in the west coast conference we have gonzaga uh and byu byu escaped in overtime over pepperdine uh that championship is tonight uh gonzaga tossed around saint mary's like they weren't even there for much of the night um byu well yeah uh byu is They've got one of the most interesting resumes in the country for me in the sense that, like, I, I don't know. I watch them, and I don't understand why they're good. And and they're just good enough throughout the year. Like, Pepperdine beat them at home earlier this year. Uh, they go to overtime. Is there any chance here that BYU gives Gonzaga its first loss? No. I mean, well, I guess sure. If Gonzaga doesn't care to be there, I guess that would that would be what it is. I don't really see that happening. Um, Gonzaga appears to be on a mission. You know, yeah. they're they're not fucking around this year. They don't. They're not trying to be like, oh, well, they were pretty good. They lost one game. They they don't want to lose any games. <laughs> they're, they're trying to embarrass everyone they play along the stretch. So, to me, yeah, I would be pretty surprised. I do like BYU quite a bit, though. Very underrated resume nationally. Um, I think they're going to end up being seated higher than people expect. Um, as a casual observer, I think they're for sure going to be a single digit seed. I, I think they can be a, anywhere from a five to a seven. That's kind of what I see them as right now. Uh, Matt Harms got a lot of flack for transferring out of P- Purdue and ending up at a BYU team that most people did not expect to be very good this year. And mm-hmm. uh, it's worked out. I mean, that's a team that's, uh, you know, Purdue is kind of right in that same fold, right? I mean, five to seven range, they could be a little bit higher a four maybe. But, yeah, I mean, 
he went back to the tournament and, uh, you know, good for him, I guess. That's how, that's how it ended up. Uh, we have Oral Roberts and North Dakota State in the summit. Uh, two kind of middle-of-the-pack teams in that conference this year. Uh, South Dakota State bows out early. Uh, but Oral, I mean, program-wise, these are two programs that have been here before that, like, know what to do in these circumstances, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything to watch for there, really? I mean, I was hoping South Dakota was going to sneak yeah. their way into it. Um, they ended up losing late to – who did they lose to yesterday of those two? Not Oral Roberts. Who else is it? North Dakota? North Dakota State, no. North Dakota State, yeah. So they ended up losing that game late. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Two teams that have been here plenty of times. Oral Roberts is probably the lesser known of the two, but uh, has had tournament appearances over time in the past few seasons. So, yeah, I mean – Anytime you play a program that has experience in the tournament, it makes you a little bit more nervous because it can be a lot for a team that's gotten there once. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got the Horizon League, Cleveland State and Oakland. Again, two teams who have been in this position before. Uh, Wright State was the two seed. Oakland takes them down. Uh, there had been some talk earlier a couple weeks ago that Wright State could be a possible at-large team. Uh, or whatever. Well, I don't, I don't know who was saying that, but they, there, there they, was, oh, they were, it was on my timeline. Um, they were among the best teams that didn't have a chance to get an at large berth. Yeah. We'll say that. Like they, if they had won the auto bid, you wouldn't want to play them in the first round. Cleveland State, though, my boys, it's been a while since they've been in the tournament. I don't remember the last time. They've been actually horrible for most yes. of the last decade. So this is a this would be a cool Cinderella story. They're pretty good this year as well. Um, you know, I, do I think they're going to take someone out in the first round? Probably not. I think they're maybe a year or two away from being good enough to really do that. But great story. I'm, ex- I'm obviously rooting for them for biased reasons. Uh, and then in the Colonial, we've got Elon and Drexel. Uh, this is this is a. Uh, not a bid steal scenario, obviously, but uh, neither one of these teams finished with a winning record in conference play. Uh, James Madison and yeah. Northeastern were both eight and two, uh, and they go down. Again, though, two programs who have been in this position before. Uh, these are two programs that, I mean, a program is only as good as the players that you have in it and, the, and their experience, but nonetheless, uh, two programs who have done this. Uh, so, two of the more brand names uh, along with James Madison in this group. Elon has never been to the tournament. They, they've been to the conference final like a handful yeah, of yeah. times. No, I know. It's just, that's just crazy to think about. Like that there are still teams out there that have just never been. Um, they've got, they've had some fucking players like in the last 10 years. Yeah. It's crazy to think that they've never gone. Cause that's a team that you hear about. I mean, I know part of it is Colorado played them at one point. So it's like in your, Memory Eric Garcia, exist, the, pro, the yeah, pride Garcia. tradition of yep. Colorado. Yep, <laughs> that's true. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, have never been, and I think this is like a nine versus a six, right? Is is the seeds in these matchups? Elon started. No, he went to Waffle. Sorry, sorry. I was thinking about Tyler Ty- Sampson, by the way. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, Elon started conference play zero and seven, and they they are now playing for a chance to make the NCAA tournament. Pretty cool story. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, we'll reconnect this weekend as we go into Selection Sunday. We've got um, 
uh, uh, Big Ten kicks off here in what, like an hour or something like that. Uh, ACC is getting started. Lots, lots to look forward to. Before we get out of here, Tyler, is there any conference tournament uh, that's getting ready to get started or kind of in the middle of it that you are really, really interested in? Or because for some reason, whatever it is, maybe it's that we just are like still holding our breath a little bit to just get to the big dance a little bit after what we went through last year. There doesn't seem to be the same excitement this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the rhetoric around the conference tournament is should it even be played for right. the entire season, right? Because you're trying to limit exposure where a bunch of people are in the same spot at the same time. You know, if a team gets COVID issues during a conference tournament, it is going to be one hell of a yeah. annoying storyline, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think in general, people are just kind of trying to move on from this and get to the big dance, um, which is unfortunate because, as you mentioned at the top of the show, this these are memories for kids. I mean, like winning the conference tournament is huge. I mean, you think about Colorado um, going in the Pac-12 in year one and winning in L.A. Uh, I still talk about that experience all the time. Um, so, you know, it's unfortunate that it's being passed over a little bit, but at the same time, I get it given the circumstances, right? Um, if I had to pick one, I would honestly say the SEC, yeah. uh, which is kind of a surprising answer. I think there's a lot of teams that can win it. Um, Alabama, LSU, Florida, I mean, Tennessee, maybe they'll get right. I, I can't really see it at this point, but a lot of evenly matched teams in that league. And then of course it'd be super Calipari to just go, <laughs> go on a run and have Kentucky somehow find their way into the dance. So I think that one could be a little bit of chaos. Yeah, I would actually I would actually agree. Uh, the other one I was going to say is actually the ACC. Um, I'm interested to see if Duke can make this happen. I'm interested to see if, uh, you know, someone like North Carolina can really like solidify themselves here a little bit. Uh, I also want to see <clears throat> I want to see Mike Bray just go on a, a, a tear and silence the doubters because I'm not here for haters of Mike Bray. All right. I'm not here for it. All right, that makes sense. No, it doesn't, but that's fine. Uh, Big Ten will be fun. I mean, they have four. I mean, no, there's no, no. Come on, those are <clears throat> powerhouses. I mean, let's I'm say just... let's say you have let's say you have let's say you have Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State, and Michigan State sneaks into the semis. Like, that's going to be fun. Yeah, I think I'm just tired of watching the Big Ten beat up on each other this year because we've they've been so far and away the best conference in America that I'm kind of just, I'm tired. I want to see them play someone else. I'm over it. I'm really over it. Fair enough. To be honest. I get that. All right. Well, we will find a way to see you Sunday, whatever that actually looks like. Um, And holy, we are what? Five days away. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, five days away from selection Sunday. Um, We will, yeah, we'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Happy Championship Week. Happy March. Happy March, that's right. Good month. Strong month. One of the best.